So if you have your Bible with you, if you have your Bible with you, can you please open um, Luke chapter 8. We are going to read from verse number 4 to verse number 21. But I'm not going to read all the verses at once. Just want you to put your fingers over there just as we start. So as I, I told you the story that, um, yeah, I grew up in Mandini. Uh, uh, my parents were Christians. We were going to church from, uh, from Sunday school. But uh, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus since then. Um, but until when I was 16, uh, there was a time when the preacher gave an invitation for us to come if you want to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And um, I find myself up front with so many of us up front there. But all these years as I was growing up as a believer, and um, I saw hundreds and hundreds of people from that time when I gave my life to Jesus and also from all the experiences of planting churches and, and wherever um, I've been used by God, uh, people giving their lives to Jesus in so many different ways. And they were responding to the gospel. And there are some people who responded to the gospel, but you realize that it never produced any fruits in their lives. And there were some other people who heard the gospel, and they were excited and passionate about God, that fire that was just burning in their hearts in those beginning days. But only a little while, they soon gave up. And then afterwards, maybe... Um, they were not even interested at all. And uh, you find them, oh, I remember you used to come to church, but they were no more coming to church. They joined the new, group, new groups and now uh, ending up in some other places. Some other people, although they came to faith, that faith in their life didn't make any difference. They gave their life to Jesus, but the before and the after is still kind of, the same. But there were another group who heard the gospel and then they came to faith and then you could see that God is doing something in their lives. Um, there was something that's so important that really happened um, in their lives. You could see that God was doing something that is really amazing uh, in their life and through their lives um, So for so many years. And then later, even now, when you bump into them or you see them somewhere, you see them, keep, uh, they keep growing and growing and growing in their lives in following Jesus. But the question that always came into my mind was, why people, they respond in so many different ways? Because it was the same Jesus who died on the cross. It was the same gospel that was preached to them. But when we accept Jesus, our responses are not the same. At all, But if you are asking that question in your heart, that is a very, very good question. Because as we are about to look at this passage today, I hope it will answer all your questions that are going on in your mind. As I said, we're looking at Luke chapter 8. Uh, we're studying from verse 4. Because Kanyeso, last week he read from verse 1 to 3, and he preached a very great message from there. Uh, so today we're starting from verse 4. The parable of the sower. 
And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, and he said a parable, in a parable, a sower went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trimmed underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured them. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell on the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out and said, He who has ears, let them, um, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Lord says. Amen. Maybe we, before we go any further, because today we're starting new sermons on um, kind of like you will hear more about parables. Uh, this was the kind of a first parable that we encounter uh, from the book of Luke as we are in the series, um, uh, save a series from the book of Luke. It will be important for me maybe to explain what is parable. Uh, there is this definition that a parable is a simple story that is used by Jesus to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson that contains a powerful spiritual message. Jesus was just giving a parable, but behind that parable, there was a lesson that Jesus was trying to, uh, to give to his people uh, that also had a powerful spiritual message behind it. Maybe this is what we're going to discover today. The first thing that we are told here is that from verse 4, a big crowd gathered around Jesus. People were coming from town, from all over, uh, and Jesus, they came to Jesus to hear what Jesus was doing. You remember that in our few passages that we're coming from, Jesus was doing miracles. He was healing people, he was raising people from dead, he was forgiving people's sins. And now people were starting to hear about this Messiah and about Jesus because the message was spreading everywhere. And now people gathered to come and see what was really happening. So when they were gathering around Jesus, we hear that Jesus told them the parable. But as soon as Jesus said, let them, those who have ears, to hear, must hear. And he said, Amen. And then he closed whatever that he was reading, or maybe he was saying, and the people, the crowd, disappeared. It sounds very familiar with our communities today. There are people who are just coming to tick the box, just came to the gathering just to, to, to hear the sermon, and then receive a blessing from Jesus, and then off they go. There was nothing more that they were interested about. And the crowd didn't care about doing the follow-up and finding out about what was the purpose of that parable that Jesus was, was talking about. And also, maybe even to consider how they should respond in what Jesus was saying. 
The first, the, the good thing that was in them was just, okay, we heard what Jesus said, and then now we're going. For that reason, they missed out a lot from this passage. But his disciples, the Bible says, after they heard the parable from Jesus, they decided to go to him because they wanted to find a deeper meaning behind that parable. And they wanted Jesus to reveal the secrets of what Jesus was talking about. They wanted to, to find out more, uh, more deep stuff about who Jesus is and what his kingdom is all about. So that is why here from verse 9 of this passage, we are told that after Jesus has finished telling the parable and the crowd have disappeared and went back to their places, the 12 disciples and some other believers gathered around Jesus to ask him to please explain the meaning of the parable. In verse 9, and when his disciples ask him what this parable means, verse 10, Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. But when you just look at verse 9 and verse 10, it might be a very difficult passage, or, or maybe two verses to, to be able to understand and to, to grasp. Because Jesus here is talking about the parables, and he says, the reason why he's talking in parables so that we, those who, are, who have open, believing hearts will better understand. But those with hard, unbelieving hearts, a parable reveals the truth to the believing heart, but it hides from the unbelieving heart. You know, so Jesus, by teaching in parables, he could discern those who had the open and humble heart, but also he will know the people who have the hard and proud hearts, that they harden their hearts. They don't want even to receive what he was, he was talking about. Brothers and sisters, the kingdom of the kingdom of God, it's God's plan for salvation in Jesus Christ. It's only those who have the humble, repented, believing heart that can be able to understand and, res and, res and receive the, the purpose and the plan of God about it. When I was just reading from verse 4 to verse 8, Jesus is talking about that, the parable of the soul. But from, about from verse 9, he's talking about the purpose of the parable. Because sometimes it can be possible that you can receive the message, but you don't understand the purpose of the message. This was God's plan for salvation in Jesus Christ for our lives. Jesus did not try maybe to keep from people to understand what he was talking about. That was not the reason he was, he was teaching people in parable. Jesus taught in parable so that the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8 to 9, would be fulfilled, where it says in Isaiah, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go. And say to these people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. When I was just looking at this story of Isaiah, I was just looking at this thing of not um, wanting, of not taking the word of God into your heart and want to respond according to what God is saying is not a new thing. It's something that started from generations to generations. You know, when reading from verse 9 and 10, the key words that are there was like, so that, the, the key word that we see in verse 10. The word so that it was referring to the fulfillment of the prophecy that was said in Isaiah chapter 6. It was, it was just not the reason that Jesus wanted to teach people in parables, but he wanted to reveal the secrets of things that God spoken about in the Old Testament, but Jesus has come to fulfill them in the New Testament about the revelation of the Messiah uh, who had to come. But the crowds were just satisfied about hearing um, the sermon about the parable of the sower, but his disciples wanted to hear even more. They didn't just want to be satisfied with just the starters. You know, when you go to a restaurant, they come there, they give you the starters, and then after that, you, you, you ask for a bill. It's like, okay, come on, we still got a main course that's coming, you know? Um, that's what always happens sometimes when you go to the five-star hotels and you feel like, oh, now they've served us a meal, okay, it's done. No, there's still some more to come. There's another thing that's happened. When you come on Sunday, you, you read you, you, the word that's been preached to you. Those are just the starters. For you in the midweek to go and chew on and find out more behind what, was, what the preacher was talking about. People with the crowd, they came with the broken hearts. They came bruised. They came struggling but they didn't get healed. They didn't get better because they came with their ears, but they refused to hear. They came with their eyes, but they refused to see. They came with their hearts, but they refused to perceive and get the meaning of what Jesus was talking about. It was the state of their hearts that they came with that didn't allow the seed to germinate. That didn't allow the seed to bear fruit in their lives. Even if they showed up in the meeting, but it made no difference because their hearts were not ready to receive and respond to the word of God that he was talking to them. Some of us have been attending church for many, many, many years. As I've said, some of us were born from uh, Christian families, attending church with our parents. But until today, the word of God has never made any difference in our lives. We're still like, same like the people of the world. But the word of God is preached every Sunday, Sunday in and Sunday out. 
We listen to the um, uh, preaching um, Christian um, stations on our TV and everywhere. The word of God is everywhere. But it never gets a chance to make a difference in our hearts. A lot of churches today are full of people who just show up on Sunday. They listen uh, to sermons. And that will be your last time or maybe last time you see them at church until the next Sunday. Or maybe that will be a last time for them opening their Bible because the pastor said, let's open in Luke chapter 8. Then after that, you close your Bible, you'll open on the next Sunday again when the pastor commanding you to do so. They don't want to be part of trios. They don't want to be part of community groups. You call for prayer meetings. They don't even come or respond. You check uh, on the list of people who are giving to church financially, their names are not there. The word of God that they receive every day, even Prince can stand and motivate you with major chapter 6, but it will make no difference. Am I changing? <laughs> that is why Jesus says to his disciples who responded and came to him, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Something that is not generally available to everyone. The secrets of the kingdom of God are for those followers who are not just satisfied to be part of the religious crowd or on a Sunday meetings only, but who are who have their soft hearts, not just people who, who are not just simply certified by to be a member of the church, or maybe, but those who just want to be, when I hear this, then after that I'm gone, only depending on other people. But the Bible says, yeah, but it was for those who can remain behind and come back to Jesus privately and say, Jesus, tell us more. We want more of your presence as we were singing this morning. We want more of your word, Jesus. How can we make your word to make an impact in our lives? How can we make your word to be more meaningful in our lives? Tell us how can we respond. What do you want us to do? What is the purpose of what you are saying to me? That's why when we're talking about the Bible reading plan, that there are three questions that you need to ask yourself. The first question is that, what is this passage saying to me? And the second question, what is this passage saying to us as a church? Because God didn't create you just to be alone, but he created to be part of the community. What God wants us to, to respond as a community. And, the second, and, and thirdly, what do I need to do about it? From what God is saying to me, what God is saying to us as a church, what do I need to do? Because we can't be just the hearers of the word but we need to be the doers as well. And then Jesus, when the disciples came to him and started asking him questions, Jesus started responding to them and explaining to them the purpose of the parable. From verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. That was the plan of the enemy. 
And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no roots. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in their hearts, hold it um, fast in an honesty and in a good heart, and bear fruit with patience. You know, in verse 11, it's very, very clear that there is only one seed. There's only one seed, which is the word of God. As the seed falls to the ground, but it is only the soil or the condition of our hearts that will determine the outcome. That means when we come to hear the word of God, when we hear and receive the seed, but if our hearts are not cooperating with the nature of the seed, then the seed will not achieve its purpose that is designed to accomplish in our hearts. All the plants and all the fruits that we know, I know we've got farmers in the room, the life of that plant, the life of that fruit is from the seed. But for that seed to be able to develop and be able to germinate and bear fruits, you will need a healthy soil. If you don't prepare your soil well and put the compost and put a good blanket and, and, and make sure that it's got enough moisture, you will receive no fruit. Which means even if you can have a top quality seed, but if the soil is not in a good condition, there will be no fruit. Brothers and sisters, I want to announce you to, uh, to you today that there is nothing wrong with the seed. Because the seed is the word of God. The word of God is perfect. From the beginning when he said, let there be light when he was creating until today, it never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But although the seeds still remain the same, but the kinds of soils are different. All these different kinds of soil represent your heart and my heart. But the question that is there is that we need to ask ourselves, out of all these four kinds of soil, which one represents my heart? Jesus wanted them to know that while the seed is the same, but where it lands is different. So the success and the outcome of the seed has nothing to do with the seed. But the success of the seed has something to do with the soil where it lands. 
when the sower went out to sow the seed, it was the landing spot that determined the crop and the fruit. You know, I've had many people coming to come in and see us. You know, sometimes we have this uh, privilege that people, when they leave, the, they, they leave the church, they want to have a meeting with the pastor. So, most of the time when you're meeting with people, the thing that they tell you, they're pointing fingers on the seat. They say, the way that you guys preach in this church is very weak. It's not helping me to grow. You guys are not preaching prosperity gospel. That is why I have no breakthrough in my life. That is why my life is not changing. It's because of you and the word that you're preaching. But when they're pointing to that, the three fingers are pointing to them. But every time when you feel like the word of God is not working or is not making any difference in your life, when you feel like we are, you are not growing, the first thing that you need to check is the heart condition. Is the kind of soil that the seed a plant will be on, where it's landed. Here Jesus simply explained that as he reveals these four types of um, soil that is representing our hearts, I've decided today to name them these four ways that the hard heart, the shallow heart, the distracted heart, and the good heart. I just want us to look at those four things then before we close. Number one, the hard heart. These are the people who refuse to accept the will of God in their lives. These are the pathway people that showed no responsiveness in their lives. These people have They've heard the gospel because the seed fell on the ground. But the devil had the loudest voice in their lives. He comes and takes away the weight from the heart so that they may not believe and be saved. This is just amazing. This, is a, this verse here, I saw like it's the only verse that is talking about devil. But the rest is not the devil, you will see. But this one, because the, the, the aim of the, of the enemy, he doesn't want anyone to be saved. But God wants everyone to be saved and come to know the truth. That is why even as we now, you are going to invite people for Alpha. Some people will say no. Even if they are not saved, they are heading towards destruction. Because the enemy, his aim, he wants people. To 27, he said, after they have argued back and forth among themselves, they left with a final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through the Isaiah the prophet that we were quoting from chapter 6. Go and say to these people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. And their ears cannot hear. They have closed their ears so their eyes cannot see. 
They have closed their eyes so that their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let them and let me heal them. So the main aim of God is to heal our land. But the enemy, he wants people to be, he wants to keep people from away from accepting the word of God. And every time when, when the word of God falls into your, into your heart, the enemy will bring it out. Like, no, did God say this? No, you can't do this. Then this is in the right way. And then people will come and follow the voice of the enemy. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But people who are not spiritual cannot receive this truth from God's Spirit. Everything from the Bible sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Isn't it something that you always feel in your heart? Everything that is said from the Bible, it feels so foolish. You're like, what's that? <laughs> you know? But those who are spiritual, they can understand because God, he, um, he meant it to, to save their lives. There are people with hard hearts. Their proud hearts does not allow them to bow down under the will of God even though they know that, that the word of God is true, but they refuse to obey it. These are the people with hard hearts. Number two, the shallow hearts. These are the people who accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, but once they experience a little bit of hardship in their lives, they soon give up and turn away. They hear the word of God, they receive it with joy, but their heart is like a rock. The seed can have roots. So they believe for a while, then in time of testing, you don't find them. They want just to serve Jesus when everything is going right. If it's going wrong, then there's no God. They're even cursing him. So this is a shallow heart where the seed will go into the ground, but it can't reach out its roots. In the small wind that come, it will just blow it away because it can't have developed roots. The first one, was because it was on the pathway, everyone was stepping on it and walking on it. A lot of voices that are speaking. But this one is not voices. It's just that you accept the word of God, you're excited. But once you face a little bit of suffering and trouble in your life, you don't even believe in God. I don't even believe there's God. If there's God, why he, why he can't hear me in this situation? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 to 15, he called that immaturity behaving like little children. He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be matured in the Lord. Maturing up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown uh, about by every 
wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies of clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, which is the church. Because the shallow Christians, those who can't, uh, they're on the rock, who can't have roots, they're easily blown away by every kind of teachings and nonsense that people are talking out there and bringing doubts in your heart. It shows that you, although you receive the word, but you can't reach to immaturity. Maybe because you're not spending more time in prayer, not spending time in worship, not spending time reading the Bible for yourself, then you will, you will remain a dwarf. You're not growing up. Remain shallow. The third one is distracted hearts. This is the big one. These are the kind of people who accept the word of God, but soon their lives become choked by the world's worries. They start to desire the riches and pleasures of this world. For that reason, the word of God starts to have no enough room in their hearts to grow and produce fruits that is supposed to be, to be producing. That's why in verse 14 says, the problem with this type of people is that they have signs of being the children of God. Because the seed has reached the ground. And then the seed found the soil. And start growing. But the problem is that it fell among the thorns. They hear the word of God. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this world that's competing with the seed that is growing in them. When you hear them talk, when you hear them quoting verses and maybe sharing on going deeper or everywhere, they sound spiritual. You can say, wow, what a Christian. By try and touch one of their cares and riches, then they will show their true colors. I believe you can agree with me that um, one of the idols of us here in Doti um, are the families and children. It's sad to say this. For the Doti people, you can't compare or maybe um, put God on the same scale with their families and children because God will fail. If church meeting is in the same day or same time with children's sports games or something that is happening in their family or, uh, or something that is happening or maybe they're having visitors over from another province or something like that, you won't see them at church on Sunday. Because there's something that is competing with that. The seed is there, but the other riches and, and cares of this world and pleasures, they're trying and kind of competing with that. And even like, the, 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 we can show you in our books, every time when it's December holidays or Easter holidays or June holidays, the tithes are half. People are tithing during the school term, but when it's a school holiday, it's a money to go to holidays. We don't even tithe to church. Because you can't compete 
God with other pleasures and other things that are happening around their lives. Whenever there's another thing that is coming up to compete, that thing will pass. God will fail. If I look at my money, I would think, ah, I need to have a holiday or I need to give tithes. No, I'll go for holidays. God, forget about me. Jesus is having this encounter. Jesus' mother and his brother in, in verse 19 and 20. Then his mother and his brother came to him while he was ministering and just preparing himself for, for, for his death on the cross. But they could not reach to him because of the crowds that was around Jesus. And, um, and he was told, they, 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 now the parents and the brother passed the message, go and tell Jesus that um, we are here. Then the guy went and told Jesus, your mother and your brother are standing outside. Uh, they're desiring to see you, Jesus. And Jesus was faced with this competition now to do the will of God or to attend to the family. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And I was talking about that, the seed, when it finds the ground, I'm not going to allow anything else to take away this seed. All the love, worries, and kind of families, especially for black people, a lot of black people, I'll say this. Once they receive Jesus, accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, they will say, ah, but ancestors, but my parents want me to do this. They want us to do this. And even if they know the truth, they know the seed, what the seed wants, they will prefer to go and do that. One day I was talking to one of the older ladies there in Mandeni. She was preparing to do the... This thing of uh, function was kind of function, but was doing some ceremony about someone who died long ago and stuff like that. And then someone preached at church. He was talking about this kind of idols and other things. And the seed fell on the ground. So then I got a chance to go and, and talk to her and say, hey, but I know that you uh, next month you're preparing to do this kind of function and stuff like that, but you heard the word, what do you think? And she said, oh, no, it's fine. I've already made arrangements. I will have to do this. this what God said about and now she didn't care what, was, what God said about the seed. But it was like, my family come first, then what God can say in my life. The thorny ground Christians allow other matters to take priority in their lives. In this case, their lives will bear no fruits. And then the last people, the good heart people, they are those who are hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and a good heart and bear fruits with patience. This fourth type of people um, have their heart that is fertile. They receive the word of God. They allow it to rule their hearts. They are willing to repent. They are willing to make necessary changes in their lives. They are willing to make sacrifices and change plans in order to obey Jesus. And as a, as a result, they produce fruits. How many people like that we have these days? We said, whatever God says, I will do. If it's against my desires, if it's against my family, 
if it's against any other things that are competing with the word, I will make sacrifices. I will make plans. I will make changes so that the word of God will take priority in my life. Maybe you can identify yourself with one of this type of soil today. Can you imagine what life would be like if all of us can be this fourth type of the soil? What life would be like in our churches where it's full of people who have a good heart that is always ready to receive God's words and through patience and perseverance allow it to produce fruit that will glorify only God. But this can still be possible today in our lives if we humble ourselves, if we allow his word to penetrate deep into our hearts and allow the word of God to put down its roots deep into our hearts. James chapter 4, we are reading last week, uh, verse 6 and 8, talking that, that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And he said, submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And he invites us and says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Because all other things will always try to push us away from God and from the will of God in our lives. But God wants us to come closer. He wants a relationship with you and me. God is inviting you today. He's inviting you to humble yourself before him, to resist all other temptations that harden your heart and harden my heart so that we can survive the test of time. He wants us to get rid of our worries and all the desires of the world's pleasures and allow God's words to do its will in our lives so that we can be his followers who produce fruits that God requires. Our faith is not about how we hear the gospel once from the beginning, but it's about how we live the gospel every day of our lives. And then what is our response today? In Hezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says this word, he gave us this promise. He says, I and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony and stubborn hearts that God has given to you and me. That's why in Revelation chapter 20, it says this way, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, and everyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he will eat with me. God is standing at the door of your heart. He is knocking. The door is your heart. But as you hear his voice today, will you please respond? Will you please allow your heart to be soft towards his word?